0: Welcome to Performer Stuff Pro Series, a collaborative forum where working professionals can share together their knowledge, experiences, hopefully a little wisdom, but most importantly, their collective passion for live entertainment. I'm Mark Hawsey and today I have a face-to-face conversation with leading musical theatre actress, Annaline Beachy, who has graced the West End stage as Christine in Phantom, Cosette in Les Miserables. Glinda in Wicked, and most recently as Anna in The King and I, in London and on tour in the UK. Uh, Annaline, welcome. Hi. So let's start very quickly by saying, why did you become a professional actor?
1: For me, I didn't have a choice. It was just all I wanted to do. I remember we used to watch those matinee movie musicals on the Saturday afternoons be on television. As a child I'd sit and watch them and if we got all of our jobs done in the morning we could sit down and watch one of these movie musicals you know as a family and I remember watching Catherine Grayson in Showboat and Shirley Jones in Oklahoma and Carousel and just being blown away. You are transported into this wonderful place and time and you know the emotion through singing and how that music makes you feel it just i didn't ever want to do anything else it was just in me it was just the only thing i i could do it still is really the only thing i can do but it was just something that i had to do
0: i love that i didn't have a choice i love that <laughs> um give me your career highlights <laughs> I've because i've known you since ooh,
1: 1990
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. but, uh, <laughs> Uh, For for everybody watching, just give us your like career highlights in 30 seconds or or less. Oh,
1: okay. Well, very quickly, I got my first job on my 18th birthday. I was offered understudy Cosette in Les Mis in uh, Dublin and Edinburgh. And then I went from that to the National Theatre's Carousel as understudy Julie. Uh, And then I went into Phantom as understudy and then um, sort of um, alternate Christine. Uh, and then I just did lots of stuff outside of the West End and I was lucky enough to do uh, Wicked when it first came over. So I was the standby Glinda um, and, oh, oh, and then most recently Anna and King and I. But with lots of other bits in between, I did lots of things out of the West End, which I really enjoyed because there's a bit more freedom. There's, there's a little less pressure. Uh, so that's where I did my Sondheims and uh, some really collaborative and creative experiences happened outside of the West End.
0: S- Sontime you did Into the Woods yes
1: yes I did Into the Woods I did a little night music and I also did um, a Sweeney Todd I did a concert version of Sweeney Todd at the Royal Festival Hall with Len Carew as Sweeney It was terrifying amazing I mean he was about 70-ish when he did it um, I think and I think the concert was to celebrate a, a, some birthday of Stephen sometimes, I can't remember which one and we had Judy Kay as Mrs. Lovett. Um, it was, we had uh, lots, of, it was a wonderful cast. And it was a sort of semi-stage production directed by Paul Kerrison, who I'd worked with and knew um, from Leicester Haymarket Theatre, where I also worked. Um, and it was incredible. I, I played Joanna, and he was just, he was jumping up on the furniture when he grabbed me by the throat, that was like, I got to sing. <laughs> but he was fantastic, it was so exciting to watch him, you know, reliving a part that he worked on so many years before. It was very interesting and exciting.
0: That's fabulous. Thank you for that. Um, (laughs) You talked about this a little while ago. So if you couldn't be an actor, what would you be?
1: (laughs) Um, If I absolutely couldn't, I think it would have been something to do with animals. um, Or I did sort of, I remember I went to a convent school in Ireland (laughs) So my experiences or my, my options were very limited. You know, the nuns would not physically slap you down, but it would be as near as, <laughs> you know. Um, they had no interest in me being on stage. They, uh, they didn't want to know. So I, in our penultimate year at school, we ha- they brought in lots of different people from various possess- um, professions to do mock interviews. So they had solicitors coming in, they had or doctors coming in, all sorts of people. And they said to me, you know, what do you want to do your mock interview with? And I went, well, I want to be an actress. Said, no, you can't. What else will you choose? Well, I, I don't want to be anything else. No, nope, you need to have something for your mock interview. Choose something else. <laughs> and so I was bullied into being a nurse. <laughs> so I interviewed did this mock interview for nursing. Um, and actually, as I was sort of doing a little bit of research before the interview, I thought this might be something I would enjoy because I like people. I like looking after people. I like talking to people. Um, so I think it would have been something to do with listening and working with people, maybe in social work or nursing or animals.
0: OK, that's good. I, I can see you with animals. And
2: I mean, you're a mother of two beautiful children. So...
1: Well, I like animals. <laughs>
2: Performer Stuff was created to meet the needs of folks just like you performers, educators, and professionals in the entertainment industry. At Performer Stuff, you can search our online store for monologues and music for your next audition or to use in your classroom. On our More Good Stuff blog, you can access hundreds of articles and how to lists created just for you by industry professionals. There are dance and voice classes and workshops at PS Academy. Plus, you can download podcasts and shows just like this one, featuring performers and entertainment pros from around the world. Basically, it's an online community just for you. So check out the website at performerstuff.com or follow us on social media.
0: Annaline, what qualities do you think a professional actor needs?
1: Uh, I think one of the most important things is the ability to listen and to observe I think that's something I have learned over the years is the most valuable tool that I think I have in my in my little toolbox because you are observing different people and their physicalities their reactions to things their emotional reactions in so many different circumstances Uh, whether it be sitting in a waiting room and looking at somebody coming in and I find myself often in those situations when you are on a train or a, I don't have my book or my phone with me. I'll just look at people and watch them and try and work out what's going on. You know, where are they coming from? What are they doing? Um, and I, I think that's something that I have learned is one of the most important things that you can have is the ability to watch, listen, and never stop learning. I remember recently I did a, a concert performance of My Fair Lady. I played Eliza, and my my youngest child was four months old and my daughter was two. My husband was away. So I was up three or four times a night with the baby. I was exhausted. And I just, I was sort of on the edge of my nerves the whole time. But it was a really interesting experience because it made me hyper alert to things. And I would pick up on little things that the children did. And there was one particular moment and I could have danced all night when she's just, bursting with joy and emotion and that very last, because she sings the sort of refrain of, I could have danced all night about three times. Um, The first time by herself excited, the second time she's singing it to the the, the, the staff in in the house. And then the third time she's been put to bed, so she's supposed to be quiet. But that excitement just takes over her. And I remember looking at my daughter, Rose, who was two at the time, and she was so excited with something I gave her. And her the way she just received this thing, she was so excited. And I just took that, I mean, I didn't take the excitement or I didn't take the thing off her, but I took that that pure joy just from her. And I took that on stage with me. And I remember the night singing at the Albert Hall and it was live broadcast live on the radio. But I remember thinking of her in that that tiny moment and that absolute joy of something you can't contain anymore. And so it's things like that, just taking those moments and that utter sadness and the joy and the frustration, all of those things that different people react in a different way to. So that's a long-winded answer. but
0: That's a great answer. How easy is it, though, to tap into those emotions or feelings? That must take a lot of practice.
1: It's a lot easier now, actually. Uh, Having had children and gone through just every emotion with them it and i think with that extreme tiredness as as a a parent in those first six months when you're so exhausted you can barely even remember your own name your your emotions are heightened you know you will cry at this tiniest thing you will laugh at something so so small but i think i i now find i remember people saying to me when i was young they were saying, you know, you're too inexperienced. You can't play that part. You you, you you, haven't lived enough of a life. And I was, you know, in my young, you know, bullshit fashion thinking, yes, I can. That's, I'm an actress. That's what I'm supposed to be able to do. Um, but now I see it very differently. I can see my ability. My walls, I think, have come down. You know, I think I was quite guarded earlier on. But now as a parent, I think um, I'm not afraid of that emotion. and I'm, I'm not afraid to let it out because I understand it. I can click very quickly into how they make me feel when I'm angry or sad or tired or amused. It's a lot easier, I think, now for
0: me. But I think um, I think what you said about um, being able to, to tap into uh, things when you're older, it, it, people don't understand that when you're young. You can play any role. Anybody can play anything. Anybody can sing anything. Anybody can act anything. But having that knowledge and experience that life experience does count and i know i know people go i can i can do that but once you've lived through something i'm sure also having children gives you a different perspective on on life it's all those life skills we learn and that set us up for roles because it's each role is about the layers that you peel back and and show and unless you know what those layers are it, it's it's sort of impossible I think or, or yeah harder not impossible yeah
1: and I I think that's possibly you know when I was younger I think I was afraid of those layers um I I remember. You know, there's, there's all these moments in your career where you're, I'm on stage and I had that sort of light bulb moment. I remember being in Phantom of the Opera, and it being in it, that the moment before Wishing You Were Somehow Here Again starts. So the previous scene is just dis, you know just dispersing, everybody's m- moving away, and Christine has a moment of sort of silent reverie as she walks up to the gates, and I just remember suddenly realizing when I was 19. Suddenly realizing it's not about pretending to be these people. It's about tapping into that part of you in this situation and how you as Annalene, and me as Annalene, would react to this situation. Because that's what makes it real, as opposed to pretending to play Christine Frightened. It's It's me thinking about myself in this situation with this kind of a history and background and how I would react in that situation, which I think makes it real rather than pretense. And even though that sounds like, well, is that really acting? It seems to work with the parts I've played because I think they are, I can see myself in so many, so many different versions of myself in the characters that I've played. I can see me uh, and maybe that's just the way I make them work. I don't know really.
0: There has to be a part of you in every part, or else you aren't aren't being real. How how yeah. can I don't think anybody can play somebody else. Maybe maybe they can, but there has you have to be able to tap into who the person is you're playing and using what you have. And yeah. uh, and I and I love what you said about observing people. You know that means you're using your creativity all the time because you're seeing people, you're creating stories and I love that. It's keeping yourself alive and creative every moment of the the day and learning. You know, life, they they say when I, when I was a child, I always thought that the older you would get, the less you would have to learn. And the exciting thing is that the older you get, the more there is to learn, the more you can teach, the more there is to learn. What a fantastic gift is it. So, yeah. and and if you don't, if you stop learning and you stop um, listening, then hmm, you've uh, you need to do something else. Yeah,
1: exactly. You're... Yeah.
0: Um, so, how did you start off after the nuns? How did you start <laughs> off as an actor? Did you train, and if so, where did you go?
1: Um, I did. I, as I say, I was in Ireland. Uh, the options were very limited in Ireland at that time. So this was the early nineties. In Ireland it was there were dance colleges that you could go to, there was amazing singing courses and colleges that you could go to, and there were some acting colleges. And there was only at the time one course <laughs> that incorporated all three. And it was it had only been running one year, and it's it was it's called the Bull Alley Theatre Training. It's still going now. Um, so I enrolled on this, this course. But in the summer between finishing school and starting at the college, I came to visit my sister who was living in London and they had open auditions for Les Miserables. So we both went, because we used to sing together all the time as kids. We would constantly be be the beachy sisters. (laughs) and We'd go and sing together and harmonise. And so we said, come on, let's go and do this audition. It'd be really good fun. So I got in line and my sister went, no, no, I don't want to do it. And I was like, well, we're here now. Come on, let's do it all the bravado of a 16, 17 year old, you know, cocky as you like. I went in and they were lovely. And they said, you know, you're a bit too young, but you know, we'd like to keep in touch if that's all right. Um, So I was like, great, started off at college, went on my merry way. And then they did keep in touch. They got back in touch with me, called and said, we are auditioning for the show in Dublin and Edinburgh, the first tour, um, and we'd like to have some Irish people. Will you come and see us again? You know, and so I came and auditioned again. And then I got the part on my, they called on my 18th birthday and said, we'd like to offer you the tour. I was like, what? Someone's going to pay me to do this? <laughs> I'll give you it for free. <laughs> I was so amazed that that I had gotten this opportunity and that someone was willing to give me money <laughs> for doing this thing that I loved to do. Uh, and, then, and that was it. That was how I started. I learned some great things One of the really important things I learned on that college course, and all credit to them, because they were very new, um, was about character discoveries. And I remember walking or standing on Grafton Street, which is the really sort of used to be the main shopping street in Dublin, and our our assignment was to look at people and to watch how they walked and to discreetly and without being frightening follow somebody and follow their walk and you know, how they move, their movements. You can imagine, you know, all these uh, 20, 17, 18 year olds standing there looking quite predatory (laughs) going, whoa, I'm gonna follow that one. But it was really interesting because what it gave me is something that I still do to this day. Every part I play, I think, how do they walk? How do they walk into, how do they walk on stage? How do they walk into a room? Are they somebody of authority? Are they somebody young or intimidated by this situation? Do they stand in a, in a self-possessive way? Or are they you know, frightened of being in the situation they're in? I, that, it's, that's what that taught me. That's the most important thing that that college course taught me. And I was only there for about seven months, but I really learned how to start for me, how it worked for me to start from the shoes up and the feet up.
0: So it, when you're rehearsing for something, do you ask for the shoes uh, uh, as soon as you can have them?
1: Uh, yeah, if I can. I don't, I will either, you know, sometimes I'll bring in my own shoes, or sometimes it's really just thinking about it. It's just knowing what the costume is going to be, you know, a lot, especially if it's corseted. So you know automatically that you're going to be in a, a held position. Um, and you know, I knew that there were heels, I know, or not heels. And if I'm I played Alice in Wonderland, I remember, before I had children. And I remember thinking, looking at kids, <laughs> looking at kids, you know, walking up and down the street and looking at how these children walk and how they stand. You know, they don't stand with their feet together and they don't, you know, and they, they don't stand still. Kids just are not really capable of standing still. You know, so that was, it, it's things like that, just observing how, how that happens. Um, and knowing that I would be, in that case, in flat shoes and what my sort of outfit was going to be like, I kind of took took a couple of guesses. And when the shoes were ready, there I was. <laughs>
2: if you have a huge audition coming up and you don't want to search through the same old monologue books, check out performerstuff.com. Our custom search feature lets you narrow down exactly what you're looking for, get a quick preview of the monologue, then print it out. Plus, lots of materials come straight from the playwright. So you won't walk in with the same monologue as everyone else. It's the easiest way to get your audition or classroom monologues. Search, preview, print at PerformerStuff.com.
0: You're a successful uh, leading lady. How do you think? Do you think it's possible uh, to make a living for in the in the acting profession?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it is. I think as as long as you are willing to always uh, I'll say that again, it's absolutely possible. And I think as long as you are willing to, you know, you may have to take some time out. You might not get the parts that you want. Um, There may be long gaps of unemployment, Um, but again, you learn from that. And, you know, if you, spent a year not being in a show and then <laughs> you get a gig and you start first in rehearsals. you're so excited to be there and not doing that job that in between job that you probably didn't like very much but what I have really learned about people in the theatre is generally they tend to whatever they do whether it's on stage or not they fully invest so if they are like for me I've worked in shops I've been a waitress and whatever job I'm doing that isn't on stage I'm fully committed <laughs> It's like I'm performing. <laughs> you know, I do everything to be. I tend to, and, and I know, I know this is true of so many of my friends. They will go in and they're doing their, you know, um, call center work, and they commit to it, and they they absolutely turn up on time. They will do the job to the best of their ability, and they'll go home and they know they've done their best because you can't do anything else in the theatre. If you rock up to the theatre and you're not absolutely willing to commit to what you're about to do for that show. It's dull and everybody will know and they will go, well, you know, she's all right once or twice a week, but eight times a week, you know, we need someone who's going to commit every night to every performance. So I think in answer to your question, it is absolutely possible to make a career out of it as long as you are willing to have some downtime, but make the most out of that. Use that as positive downtime rather than I'm not working, Ah, nightmare, which is also horrible, but you allow yourself that and you pull yourself back up.
0: But I love that life lesson there just always do your best in anything otherwise there's no point in doing it even if it's not what you want to do um do you were there any uh, you, were there ever jobs that you thought you were suitable for that you weren't and any surprises um but basically do people go after the right roles is what I'm asking did you always
1: do, do I do I always go for the right roles or do other people? do
0: so, so do you, is, is a role that you think you're suitable for always what you may be suitable for? Maybe you're not suitable for that. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. Yeah. Um,
0: Sorry, I was very clumsy in the way I said that. No,
1: no I, uh, Here's the thing. If you're going up for it, you have to completely imagine yourself doing it and you find your own way of doing it, whether it's what they think is right or not. Um, So, often I would find that I've auditioned for something and I have a very clear vision in my head of what I would do and what I think that character is. And then I go along and see the show, a little bit like, oh, all right, let's see. (laughs) I'm trying, on the surface, I'm trying to be as generous as I can. And then I sit down and what the person's doing is something completely different. And I go, oh wow, I never thought of that. I mean, I'm jealous that I never thought of it and a bit annoyed with myself for not you know, broadening my horizons a little bit or thinking outside the box. So I think it does happen, but generally you'll kind of know early on if you are what they're looking for or not because it doesn't matter what you think. At the end of the day, it's the people who are sitting in that panel in front of you. You could, you know, walk in there knowing that you are the only person who could be right for this and they're like, first round, thanks so much. <laughs> oh, What? <laughs> But I knew I had the whole thing. I had a whole thing, you know, imagined for this. So, yeah, it happens, but, you know, it's not really your choice.
0: How do you cope with disappointment when you don't get a role?
1: Uh, for me, I, I mourn the loss of it. So I allow myself a day or two because, you know, I, I always imagine myself when I'm thinking about auditioning for a show and for a part, I imagine myself on stage in a costume of my imagining, (laughs) performing the whole thing, telling the whole story, because then I feel that I'm ready to walk into the audition room and, and present certainly my idea of the full package of what I could offer. So to then switch that off completely and go, right, that's gone, I have to allow myself a couple of days of, you know, Just bringing it up randomly and going, "Oh, I can't believe I didn't get that!" I I, I had this, and then I'll just let it go. And then it's a couple of days of mourning. But I tend to find that it always happens for the right reason, you know. And I, I keep saying to myself, "There's a reason. There's a reason." You know that maybe that, and then I come up with reasons until I know what the reason is well, you know, it wouldn't have fitted in. Uh, I wouldn't have looked good in that outfit or so-and-so was a leading man and he's far too short for me. So until I know what the real reason is, I'll come up with reasons that I can make up that make me feel better. Um, And, you know, most of the time I go and see the thing and and I can completely understand why they went with that person and 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 they're brilliant, you know, so you go, okay.
0: So you talked a little bit about um, auditions. Tell me more about the audition process, because it sounds to me that um, it's much more thorough as an investment from you as an actor than maybe people think. So tell me about your process for auditioning. Um,
1: sorry, I think that was my, phone. my my process is quite simple. Um, I I generally don't learn the material. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but I try to learn it, but it doesn't tend to go in, um, and it's because I've got too many ideas or there are too many unknowns. And then what will happen is I will go in with the material, normally with the material, and uh, and get an idea of what they're thinking, and then it will just tend to go in because I, I need I need some kind of input because I I find that if I go in and I've I've learned the script, I have made I've formed too many opinions already as to what I think. The part and what the scene and the whole picture of the show sh- should be, so I find it hard then to be open in an audition situation with either the reader or the director if I've already closed off what my 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 image of the thing to be so it's a very you know, it's broad brush strokes of what I believe the part to be generally, and then after the second and third audition, when I have my idea, I will then think about everything I think about as I say the clothes I think about my hair I think about how I walk into that room because most of the time they know the second you walk in the room if you're the right person or not before you've even opened your mouth they kind of go "Mm, mm, yeah no mm." you know and you know you kind of get a pretty good idea of you know whether their shoulders get back and they sit back in their seat or whether they just go oh it's another one we need to strike off (laughs) you know um but yeah, it, it's the audition process and it can, it can vary. You can do two or three auditions for something or you can do six auditions for something. My auditions, for example, for The King and I uh, were over a couple of years because they were going to bring the show over uh, and then it was put on hold and then they brought it over a year and a half later. So I think I'd done two or three auditions and then it was all put on hold. Uh, and then I came back in again, I think once or twice a second time. And I think the scariest thing is when you go from an, your first or, for one or two auditions where there's two or three people on the panel. And then my last audition for King and I was, I don't know, I about 18, 20 people there and <laughs> go, hi, <laughs> and suddenly you feel like it's a performance rather than an audition, which is good and bad, you know, go either way.
0: How do you maintain uh, yourself for eight shows a week when you're singing a role like Anna?
1: Uh, Anna is the biggest challenge I think I've ever taken on for a lot of reasons I hadn't done a show for eight, nine years after having my children I'd done concerts and I'd done recordings and bits and blocks, but I hadn't been in an eight show a week eight performances a week run for about nine years and to come back in with one of the big, biggest roles written for woman in a show and the singing isn't hard, it was, it was very easy for me, vocal range, I had no issues with it at all, but it was the constant talking and shouting. And on top of that, the range of emotion that the character feels throughout the show. And it's hard to switch it off and disconnect between the head and the heart and the voice, but you have to find some way to disconnect to make it, to be able to do it eight times a week. You can't go out there and do exactly what you want to do every night because your body and your voice just, mind just couldn't withstand it. So you have to find that even keel that you can maintain. So for me, a lot of water, I drink a lot of water. I wasn't drink, drinking any dairy or having any you know cheese and things like that. I do yoga um, and I, I do steam. So it's all those sort of basic things. I, I, I would not do too much physical activity because it was just too exhausting to doing the show because that massive dress that, that I wore for most of that too weighed something like three stone. So, and you're wearing it
0: for... And what's that in pounds? We'll have to convert that into pounds. I
1: think it was about 40 pounds-ish, something like that. That's right. So I might be wrong. It's something like that, um, which is extraordinary for about 45 minutes you're in that 45 50 minutes you can't get through doorways you can't I mean, they would bring them over little stools for me to sit in and then you polka her around the stage in it But shall we dance and then you're on the floor when tucked in is being beaten up I'm on the floor with her and there were some days on a two-show day when I'd get off the floor and it, that size of skirt creates a vacuum <laughs> so when you go to get up it pulls you back down you're going oh my god so my knees—I mean, my the muscles on my legs were intense after doing that show. Um, so physically, I was like, I've done my cardio. <laughs> I do my cardio with this show. So I, it's it's all about just making sure I had enough water. I was grazing little and often because also I'm wearing a corset, and there's a constant pull from the weight on, on the corset, on the from the skirts, from the crinoline skirts. So I was having, I did have for a while some trouble with um, my stomach and, you know, reflux because of the corset. So I was eating, trying to find the right balance of the right things to eat at the right times was, was tricky, but it's just being sensible.
0: Because eating when you have a family and then you're doing an evening show, it must be, yeah, it's hard to balance those two routines.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's really hard. It's, you have to keep them separate, you know, it's they eat and then I eat just <laughs> whatever I can when I can. That's so you sort of
0: touched on it a little bit, but how can you stay present on stage when you're doing eight shows a week?
1: Um, I I think for me, the rehearsal process for King and I was wonderful for me. Absolutely wonderful. But let's the director was so open to me creating my own Anna. I remember in the audition, actually, (laughs) I remember I came in and I'd only done about, I hadn't really auditioned since having the children, so it was a long time, I was rusty, you know, I started singing the song and I went, no, 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 that's this and that, no, try it like that. I I can see, yeah, paint the picture for me, and I thought, okay, so this was the beginning of Hello Young Lovers. When I think of Tom, I think about a night when the earth smells of summer, and it's all very descriptive, beautiful, beautiful um, imagery. And he, he must have stopped me about five times. So by the time I got through the song, and then and then we did the scene afterwards when the King and Anna first meet and really have a go, I mean, I tore it apart. <laughs> I was so cross. I was like, would you just let me sing? Let me sing it. But I could see what he was doing. He was pushing me and pushing me to see how I would react to him and how I would react to this situation. So clever. And as a result, he... he gave me a he made me feel that that my Anna and my creation was mine it wasn't going to be anyone else's version of it and he said to me always keep trying never just stop always keep playing with it we'll tell you if you go too far but you know push it always push it and it was the most wonderful thing sometimes I've had directors who've gone that's it that's the one don't change it and then you're like, oh, <laughs> and that's really hard to stay present because you have to then recreate that every night to try and make it come from a place of truth. Whereas what Bartlett allowed me to do was continually, you know, I obviously had the boundaries of some physicality, but I was able to constantly throw just how I felt or something different that some way, somebody might have looked at me slightly differently or been ever so slightly in a different position and it made me feel differently, so therefore I said the line differently, and it was. I, so as a result, at the end of the show every night, I was always tired. I was exhausted, but I felt like I, I was, I was, I just I truthfully told this story as to the best of my ability every night.
0: That's yeah. great insight. Thank you. Um, professional dreams. What professional dreams do you still have now?
1: Oh, uh, <laughs> to be out of lockdown. <laughs> to be honest on stage again. <laughs> um, it's funny, when, when I took the time out to have the children, I, I sort of closed myself off to theatre for a little while. I just found that I couldn't commit to being a parent because I wanted to be the best parent I could be. And I felt like I couldn't commit to that while I was still keeping an ear out for theatre and what jobs were coming along. So I sort of said no to so many things that came in, um, audition-wise. But now that I've sort of dipped my foot back in and the children are a bit older and they're able to sort of, you know, do without me around constantly, I think it's, I just I just want to be challenged and I, I want to challenge myself in anything, Some you know, something new or something old that's been done a million times to put a new coat of paint on it and try it on. I I know it's a bit dull, but I just want to do something that inspires my imagination and makes me excited to to be on stage to show it to people especially at the moment it's the escapism you know it's anything that will make people feel better and happy and something to be proud of for my children as well you know that they can come and see and go there's money so what
0: inspires you
1: oh what inspires me they do my children inspire me all the time you know it's funny when with children, you I see, I see them making mistakes that I made, and I go ah, <laughs> and it's frustrating. But then I see them doing things that I wouldn't have thought of, or having the strength of physical or strength of mind to do something that I couldn't do, and I just think that's that's so great. That's so exciting to watch them. Um, but what inspires me, I guess, is people taking chances and being brave. So you know composers and writers that are starting out, it's, I mean, they're bearing their soul when they write a show. And I think that's incredibly brave. And I, I wish we could support it better. I mean, Simon, my husband, is a real champion for new writing. So he puts a lot of time and effort into recording or workshopping and, you know, looking at scripts with new writers. And it's, we have, we have to look ahead, that's the future. And as much as, you know, I love those old shows, we can still learn so much from them, but let's take that and then build on it for today. And let's find a new, either new version of it, which is what Barbara Sher has done. King I, it's very fresh, you know, and very—it doesn't shy away from all of the political issues that perhaps it, it did initially, you know. And let's let's embrace those things, and you know, we all we all need something new and exciting at the moment, and you know, wherever we can find that, I think it's just. Bravery, courage.
0: So do you think that's how theatre stays relevant in the modern world, by taking risk and being courageous and brave?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, as much as we don't don't want to, you know, live a a horrible day and then go into a theatre and see that horrible day on stage, (laughs) you know, theatre for me is still escapism. But, you know, if telling the story of this person having that terrible day shines a light on something that we need to know about, then that's important. You know, you make a choice. You know if you're going to see something that's going to be sad and, and you know, very realistic, then you know before you go into the theatre, normally that's what you're going to see. You prepare for that. But if it's something that's a celebration of something, then you, you're also prepared for that. But I think I think it's very important that we embrace um, what's going on around us Equally, I don't want to see twenty musicals about COVID nineteen in the next five to ten years. Maybe. But Me too. Oh my God. um but I think there is, you know, there's a lot to be learned about what people have gone through in this period and how it has changed people or not and changed society. So I yeah. think that's
2: if you need music for an audition or a voice lesson, performer stuff's got you covered. Performerstuff.com offers not only full music sheets, but also 32 bar and 16 bar cuts. Pre-selected by our on staff music directors with an intro and easy to read sheet for your accompanist. If you need some help practicing, you can download an audition bundle with the sheet music, a vocal lead and practice track. Plus the audio on the track matches the sheet music so you can walk into your audition knowing exactly what to expect. As always, our search feature makes it easy for you to find what you're looking for. So when you need music, come check us out at performerstuff.com. In
0: audition, so what would you, how would you choose a song to sing in an audition? And what is in your songbook now to take to auditions?
1: Okay, my songbook is really embarrassing because I have not updated it in about 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, mainly because I haven't been singing you know in shows so I haven't needed to update it that's something I probably should be trying to do during this sort of period of time but you know whether I get around to it or not is another thing but I think it's important to have something of everything in there you know you need to have your old you need to have your RnH in there you need to have your Sondheim in there you need to have something that's you know jukeboxy um, and something funny uh, or something lighter and something that shows your range. So, I mean, I generally try and cover it in about five songs because I'm <laughs> too lazy to learn another one. <laughs> but um, but those songs, the thing is that those songs have gotten me all the jobs I've ever done. So it's hard to go, okay, I need, I need to put, I could have danced, away, danced all night away now because I am not 18. <laughs> so I need to, to take that out of my folder. But it has gotten me so many jobs, you know, and I can sing it and I can, I I like to sing it. It it makes me happy to sing it. Uh, But I think the most important thing is that you sing songs that you're comfortable with. The last thing you want to do is go into an audition and think, I'm not sure if this note's going to come out. Because, you know, the tension that will be around all those muscles from being in an audition situation is is not going to help those high notes or those belty notes so you have to be comfortable that's really important be comfortable in what you're wearing be comfortable in in what you choose to sing um yeah you can take risks but it but there has to be an element that you know that most of the time it's there
0: (laughs) yeah risking audition is kind of like not the the best choice i would say um you know everybody eats his own, I guess
1: yeah, and I, and I think I suppose what's most important is that you know they just want to know they want to know if if your voice matches your look, they want to know if your voice matches their show, um so they don't want to know they don't need to hear you singing, defying gravity, <laughs> you know they don't need that unless it is actually wicked that you're auditioning for. Um, but they will give you the music that, from their show. So you just need to go in there and be confident in what you're doing, singing something that is going to show off the best of what you, can, you have. And, you know, if they hear your voice and they go, okay, let's see if you can go a couple of notes higher, they'll do a scale with you. But don't go in there thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work out a Christine E. You know, if you think, well, you know, my D was there. <laughs> you know, it's not worth the risk. If they want to hear it, they'll do scales with you. And give you use it.
0: Do you suffer from nerves at all?
1: Yes. Oh, I do, yeah. Um, you- um I think they've probably have gotten a little bit worse, but um but equally I know my comfort zone now, so I sort of have to just what what I do is have a word with myself. <laughs> I imagine there's a little devil on my shoulder going, oh, you're not going to be able to do this, you know, because that is, that's exactly what goes on in my head. And it happens on stage sometimes as well. Or before I'm going, when I'm in the wing, you know, I have to shut that voice down and go, right, enough, because I've got this. Um, And that's, that's literally the best I can say. I tend to find myself, uh, if it's, if it's a a press night or a first preview or a big audition I'm doing later in the day, I, I, I allow myself to get really nervous during the day and just, with a, with a, with a view to sort of going well, that's all my nerves used up. <laughs> I'll still be nervous later, but I feel like that helps me. Just get nervous, live through every scenario, all go through all the things that might go wrong. But the bottom line is, if you know what you're doing, you know your lines, you know where you're supposed to be. Most of the time, you'll be fine. You just have to. Nerves are good to a certain extent, but you can't let them take over. You have to. You have to put them in a box and let them give you that excitement and that energy and that lift that, lo- that them overtake you
0: perfect let's finish by is there is there a piece of advice that you would offer like young annaline at 16 if you could offer young annaline at 16 a piece of advice now that you know going backwards what would that be
1: i think um i would say do your research In my earlier days, I don't think I researched enough. Either whether it be learning a bit more about the composers of you know of days gone by, or current composers, or plays that things might be based on, books that things are based on. Take the time and really investigate these people or the characters that you're playing. You know, I remember, I remember auditioning for. I don't know, I'm not going to be specific, but I remember going into audition for something and they wanted a piece from um, an opera. And I brought my thing in and I said "I said what it was called and what opera it was from. And pianists went leaned over and went, this is how you pronounce it. And I was mortified. I was mortified. I just thought, oh my God, well, what are they going to think of me? What are they going to think? I can't even pronounce this properly. So I think do your research. Take the time to learn about what you're going in for that style and enjoy it because you know there's nothing like walking into a room thinking yeah i know exactly what i'm doing with this i've, I've done i've spent time with this i know where i am that's only going to give you confidence and be yourself don't be afraid to be yourself
0: great thank you <laughs> and thank you for sharing a small part of yourself within our performer stuff pro series and for help <laughs> entertainment alive, nourished, and full of hope. And for those watching this, please dream big. And while you're dreaming, look out for more Performer Stuff Pro Series coming your way real soon. Annaline, I love you. Thank you. And doodle-pip, everyone.